0: Welcome to Radio Survivor. We're here for the love of radio and sound. I'm Paul Reismandel. Hello, everybody. Eric Kleiner,
1: And I'm Jennifer Waits.
0: And we're really pleased and honored to be uh, coming to you live on WXOX FM in Louisville. This home station, the hosting station for the Virtual Grassroots Radio Conference 2020. And uh, for those who haven't heard of the Grassroots Radio Conference, uh, this is an annual Confab that brings together people who work in community radio, college radio, all sorts of grassroots radio every single year. And and the wonderful thing about it is that the grassroots radio conference is is this truly grassroots effort in that there's no central organizing committee, people come together and just try to tackle the issues uh, that face all sorts of stations that are doing their best to to exist with real community access and service and, and, and really express the best uh, aspects of, of mutual aid, which, which in particular seem very, very, very poignant this year in, in 2020.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would add that for me, the Grassroots Radio Conference is so much more about people. It's people over institutions. It yes. really is an individual effort.
0: Yeah, it's so wonderful. So we're really honored to be able to have a live broadcast during this virtual session. And we're specifically uh, delighted to have our guests with us today. Uh, First, I want to welcome uh, Miranda Sellinger, who is the talk content and grant coordinator at X-Ray FM in Portland, Oregon. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us, Miranda.
3: Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here.
0: And and from WXOX, a voice who should be uh, very familiar to folks in Louisville. We're delighted to have here uh, Tia Marie, who is, uh, amongst the main things she's done, she was behind the broadcast for Brianna, which was a nationwide simulcast to celebrate the memory of Brianna Taylor. Thank you so much for joining us, Tia.
4: It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: So the Grassroots Radio Conference this year has a number of themes that are very relevant in 2020, uh, themes related to the pandemic, the protests, and also the election. So for our discussion today, we wanted to focus on how community radio stations are responding to protests in their community. And it's been an incredible seven months or so of, of radio stations kind of grappling with what's happening in their towns, what's happening in the United States. And so we thought having some representatives from radio stations in Portland and Louisville would be a really interesting lens in order to look at how community radio is responding to protests. So that's how I wanted to start and and maybe start with Utia and and find out how has Art FM, WXOX, how, how have you as a station responded to protests in
4: your community? With full-on purpose. We are about that life. <laughs> At Art FM. we recognize wholeheartedly that we are a station for the people and by the people. And so we know it's our responsibility to be out there and get the truth and present that accordingly. So we've been all up in the mix. We've been out at um, an area known as Brianna Taylor Square or Justice Square, uh, where a lot of the protesters have been gathering um, for quite a while now. I think they're in the hundreds on the days that they've been out there. And it's been a very active um, time here in Louisville. So we've got plenty of experience being out there. Uh, we have plenty of audio files from the sounds of the protest and we just been all up in the mix. And, and we know that it's our responsibility because, well, for me, you know, when everything was at its peak, I, um, I tuned in to different channels, right. To figure out what was going on in the streets. And so I had um, my TV playing, the mainstream television television, channels, and I had my phone with uh, with the Facebook live streamers, and then, you know, I got my radio listening to Art fm right? I got all these different perspectives of what's going on, and something that was pretty clear was that the narratives were different when it was mainstream versus community radio and the people who were on the ground, the live streamers from Facebook. So that's an issue, right? Something that we were more than aware of, so that's why we made it our responsibility to be involved in the mix.
1: And, and Miranda Sellinger, um, talk a little bit about it. X Ray, um, Portland, protests have been happening there pretty much on a daily basis for mm-hmm. the past seven months or so. So, as a community radio station, what, what do you feel your responsibility has been during this time in Portland?
3: Yeah, protests have been happening in Portland since the day George Floyd was killed. With the the small exception of the week where there was so much wildfire smoke that people weren't allowed to go outside, I think protests died down for a couple of days in that during that week. But they're they're still happening. Um, however, yeah, however, 160 or more days, I think it is. Yeah, I would I would echo what Tia said. There's definitely we definitely feel a responsibility to be providing an alternative to the narratives that are that are being spread out there by dominant media sources. I think towards the beginning, or even before the pandemic hit, X-Ray had been identifying the need to be um, ramping up our news coverage, especially in terms of local news. Um, We just like identified that the need for more local news coverage in our community, Um, and specifically in terms of broadcast journalism. Um, So that's something we were anticipating even before the pandemic hit, Um, and then It kind of was just timed perfectly as we were ramping up things that like the pandemic happened and then suddenly there was this need to be um you know talking to people about like local like safety measures um like local groups doing mutual aid all that kind of stuff um and then pretty soon after that george floyd was killed and that was that kind of kicked off the protests in portland that you know are still going strong um so yeah the way we've responded to that has definitely been I think one concrete way would be um us producing a new news program um a talk show and podcast called The Local which is a 30 minute like local news only piece of content um that's yeah broadcast on our airwaves and also out there in, in the podcast world and we're really proud of that um just featuring the voices from our community holding the mic to the people who are, you know, actually going out there to report on the protests.
0: Miranda, I, you know, I'm going to ask you a little bit about the local there, because I think this is the kind of programming that I, I've talked to a lot of stations. This is the kind of thing that, the, that they want to be able to do. Tell us a little bit about more about like what what is featured on any given day on, on this uh, daily half hour news podcast and broadcast.
3: Yeah, it's one of the main things that I work on at X-Ray, so I love talking about the local. So it's, uh, like I said, a daily 30-minute piece, and it always features um, at the top of the show a news rundown of local headlines that we call the Quick Six because we try to feature six local headlines. And then we'll often include a shorter segment that's maybe like someone's piece reporting from the protest or maybe like a shorter interview with um, like someone from... Uh, like the local food scene or nonprofit group, and then we'll round out that 30 minutes with a slightly longer interview that's usually taken from our broadcast news services. So we have a morning show called X-Ray in the Morning, broadcast every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. And we like the way that we've like managed to produce the local. It's like a problem that we've been struggling for with for a while because the morning show is already this volunteer-driven feat of like, I, we, don't, we don't know how it keeps happening, but we keep making it and it's great, but um, struggling with the idea of producing even more news with the, our low capacity. Um, and the way we produce the, lo- the local is that it's, um, uses a lot of content from our broadcast from the morning show. And we just have a wonderful team of staff, interns and volunteers who edit and produce that tight 30 minute program every day.
2: And here at Radio Survivor, I think we want to get into the weeds some more about how that podcast at a community radio station is produced. But I want to ask Tia Marie again to tell us more about, you know, you described, um, you used a, an image of bringing a microphone to the to the Breonna Taylor protests in Louisville, Kentucky. And I'd like to hear you say more about what those days sound like on your radio station. Like what what has been on the air at these protests?
4: Well, you know, it's uh it is probably been the icing on the cake for the tribute that we put together for Brianna Taylor. Um, and I guess we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but we use sounds of the protest in that uh, tribute and uh, many other DJs have used the sounds across the city of Louisville, uh, as we're all broadcasting from our homes or remote offices. We've just, you know, we have some artists, some DJs that have sat on their porch and simply recorded what it sound like in his general vicinity. So, you know- was like a march, as a march yeah. walked
2: by the, the downtown porch.
4: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think it was in uh, closer to one of our touristy areas called the Highlands. So it's an area that's usually off limits. But, you know, all areas have been touched by this in this entire city.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's sort of an interesting point that, you know, at community radio stations, uh, we don't necessarily have. The resources to get out there with heavy-duty equipment, and and so it can be as simple as DJs holding up their phone and recording a march in front of their house. Is that kind of what you're describing?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Even when I the times that I've been down um, at the hub uh, in Justice Square, I've taken my phone and just just started recording the sounds, just because it's so vibrant. And there's so much emotion in it it in and of itself tells a story, so it's it's important to capture and you know
0: how does that weave itself in then in in any given air day? Do you have a sense you know i mean uh, I know that r f m is is principally a music station, but it's not music as a distraction, right? It's it's music as sure. an engagement. It's about it's it's about that uh engagement with 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 the community through art. So so tell us how 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 are the issues and, and the protests palpable uh through the airwaves.
4: Well we actually like to call ourselves experimental because you don't know what you're gonna get on RFM when you tune in at any moment of the day you can hear me running my mouth on the Tia Maria show talking about all things love and light. You know, or you could tune in and hear, you know, Romel, DJ DS and Will, you know, hit me with that good old hip hop. You know, so we do have great music shows like we have great talk shows and and everybody has found an opportunity to slide in the audio um, and the conversation related to the movement because it affects all of us. So yeah and
0: what kind of feedback are you hearing, say, from your listeners, you know, either directly when they're calling you or on social media?
4: You know what one of the main things I'm hearing, which really put me much more behind the say her name movement um was just the lack of awareness um that black females um deal with when it comes to uh, being victims of police violence like you know I speak about this on my show I speak about the hidden things and how 2020 is bringing out the things that have happened in the dark and um and a lot of people are just astonished when they learn how many black women are affected by this so that's what I get a lot of people just really appreciating you know this height this heightened awareness
1: I, that's probably a great time f- to have you talk about the Justice for Brianna broadcast that you produced, Tia Marie. And yeah. so tell us how that came to be and what it was.
4: Well, it was uh, honestly the brainchild of our GM, Sharon Scott. She, um, along with other DJs on the station and the Pacifica Network, it got together and um did a dedication to George Floyd with an eight minute, 46 seconds worth of silence. Um, And it was so powerful and so moving that we wanted to continue to do tributes um, and and use our space for this type of um, this type of justice. So she came to me and she said, listen, I, I feel like we need to do something specifically for Breonna Taylor. And I thought, you know, I said to myself immediately, like, We sure do. And I said to her, you know what? You're right. Let's do this. Uh, I'm going to one up you. And say let's do this for all Black females of police violence because, like I said, the list is grand, and not a lot of people are aware of the magnitude of this pandemic. Right? We've been kind of you talk about distraction. COVID nineteen is is a distraction, because the truth is there's a lot more things that they're killing us at a more rapid rate than the nineteenth version of the COVID virus. So. Um, you know, we, we both pondered on that and said, yes, let's do it. I wanted to incorporate it, the voices of Brianna's family because I knew that they would have something powerful to contribute. And so I reached out to some folks and, and landed a conversation with her auntie, uh, Bianca Austin, who recorded an amazing um, dedication to her niece. And uh, and another thing was Sharon really wanted to feature a song that Brianna um really love we wanted to highlight one you know a song that she really loved and so her auntie was like well you know one of the songs she chose is like really one of those you know enough if you buck songs i was like you know we gotta keep it up you know <laughs> Keep it look cool and calm and collected. And she was like, well, she was a huge fan of Mary J. Blige. And everything was one of her favorite songs. So we brought the song Everything together with the amazing message from Bianca Austin, her auntie. And then I decided to record the voices of the, uh, the female victims that I could come across um, and turn it into just a reading of the names. And Brian Manley came in with the audio from the protest. We blend it all together and it just became a masterpiece. Uh, we actually pulled it together really quick and we didn't know what the response would be or you know what our reach would be with it. Uh, Sharon drew up a press release, put it out there to the world. And next thing we know over 70 stations joined in to play this tribute worldwide even. We had someone in like Austria play it. And so it, it hit the airwaves all across the world. And uh, it was just an amazing moment for us to see the response. For this woman and for this movement, so I was just really grateful to be a part of that.
1: and what sort of responses did you hear in addition to you know how amazing it was that so many stations broadcast that? What did you hear from people after they heard this broadcast?
4: Well, what it felt like for a lot of people was the humanization of the victims, right because you know um, what has been constant with uh, Black females of police violence is that um, after their deaths, they usually get villainized, criminalized, uh, made to seem as if they got what they deserve, right? So the people can uh, sympathize with the officers uh, more so than the victims. And so for a lot of folks, they felt like this was an opportunity for them to feel the magnitude of this issue and understand that these were human lives that were taken. These were, this was somebody's mom, somebody's daughter, somebody's sister, somebody's aunt, somebody's homegirl, you know, and they're dropping like flies at the hands of rogue cops. And so it was again, an opportunity at heightened awareness. and, And I got a lot of that in the feedback. Can you talk a little bit about the production
1: of it? And as you were putting together this list of names You know, we had a little conversation earlier about what that was like for you, and I'd love for you to share that.
4: Well, I can tell you, and like we spoke about the other day, when I compiled the list of names, um, when I compiled the list of names, the hardest part of that was the amount of names that I was going to have to read. I had to do research. Uh, before I chose these names to be read because uh, we really wanted to put the focus on uh, black women who were victims of police violence. And so I had to go through the list to say her name campaign involves a list of uh, women who have been uh, taken from us for other reasons and um, just other circumstances. So I had to do research on every single one of these women and really learn their backstory. And it was painful to learn how some of these women died. I mean, extremely painful. If you go through and look up some of the ladies' names that I wrote, uh, I said and that, Sandra Bland, Armetta Foster, Michelle Casole, if you go back and you listen to their stories, it was just, it's it's eye-opening. And the fact that there was never any justice served, you know, so I had to pray about it. And I asked that as I read these names that the listener would feel what I felt having to understand what really happened to these women. And and so that mixed with the sounds of the protest, which Brian Manley brought, and he had this clever way of, between the reading of the names and the silence, uh, um, allowing for the track to actually scream the name of Breonna Taylor and and scream the phrase, say her name, and the silence between me reading the name. So it was just put together so perfectly. And then there was a song that Master P did in tribute to Brianna Taylor. And we, I just took just a small clip of him saying the phrase, say her name, and added it to the end. And it just, it was, it was, it was tough for all of us to do, but we just felt so good, and it, it was so necessary because it, it just a- added to the magnitude of it. Yeah, it just
2: listening to you tell your story tia maria reminds me that um one of the reasons community media exists is to give to give voice to our grief when the other uh media outlets uh have have a competing narrative basically that want to erase the grief that we feel uh, for all (laughs) for everything including um police violence against black women so thank you for telling that story
4: my pleasure
0: You are listening to Radio Survivor and some folks are watching Radio Survivor here live at the virtual grassroots radio conference for 2020 and live on WXOX Art FM in Louisville, Kentucky, and also live on uh, dozens of community radio stations around North America and Ireland. So thank you all for tuning in. And we're talking about how community radio stations deal with uh, real unrest and police violence happening in their own communities. And, and how do you portray that on air? And also, how do you just deal with the crisis as a, a community institution? And you've just heard from uh, Tia Marie, who is at uh, WXOX, uh, Art FM, and also joining us is uh, Miranda Sellinger, who who coordinates talk programming at X-Ray FM here, where I am in Portland, Oregon, which has seen more than 160 days of continuous street protests following the murder of George Floyd. Miranda, I want to ask you, you know, a little bit more. You know, you said that part of an effort that you'd started prior to to COVID was to start a half hour program that's called The Local, which is a podcast and a radio show to try and, and make it solidly true. Uh, Five, days programming. Five days a week. Five days a week. And oh, wow. you know, for community radio stations, right, which typically are mostly volunteer-driven, um, these sorts of efforts are difficult. And, and, and I'm curious, you know how how are you pulling that off on on a continuous basis? Because once you start doing it, you know, you set an expectation now in your listenership, you know, looking for the program and 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 either making time for it in their day, uh, either live on air or or making sure it's in in their podcast feed. So. What kind of advice can you give for trying to do this in, in a volunteer-driven station?
3: Yeah, oh, that's a great question. I'm um, yeah, it's a question I ask myself sometimes, and I <laughs> it's hard to answer. Um, yeah, I think that part of how we're pulling it off is just having a really dedicated team and like a community who, yeah, a team that you know cycles through different players sometimes, um, but there's always a core team of folks who just really care about pulling this off and really see the value of X-Ray itself being um, a voice for our community. Um, more specifically, I can say that um, our news program relies heavily on um, the existence of an internship that we offer. Um, so we have multiple interns at a time and, and they're a huge reason why um, the, like the live morning show and the local are possible at all. And yeah, they're so talented. Where do the, where do the interns
0: come from? Uh, You know, uh, what are they, are they, are they students? Are they more like community interns? How do folks make their way in?
3: Yeah, a lot of different ways, honestly. Um, A lot of folks who are students or who recently graduated from school. um, Also a lot of folks who are just, you know, have been part of the x-ray community and just really want to, you know, get their hand into some news writing or editing. Um, and yeah, just like have that passion and time. Yeah, and, I, I'd say those are the, the main folks that the internship attracts.
0: And did these folks come sure. together, you know, before the program was sort of conceived? Or were some of your, you know, these volunteers or interns even part of that initial conception of, of, of starting this program, the local, your your daily news show?
3: Yeah, I'd say a few of them were, were part of its inception. Um, I think, Our The Morning Show, um, X-Ray in the Morning, the live broadcast, has been happening for years now, and um, so there's always been folks who are working on that show who have been talking about producing something like The Local for a while, and then, yeah, a few of them really um, were part of the effort shared by me and others to to really lift it off the ground and make it happen. Um, And then that, in turn, kind of built upon itself and made us realize that, oh, yeah, we need to, like, actually have more structure for this internship or and or volunteer roles and like provide like more in-depth training and more specific training and lay out these expectations, figure all that stuff out ourselves. So it's kind of just like building upon itself the the more the farther we go. And I'm really excited to see how it'll keep shaping itself in the future.
0: So it sounds like, you know, when you when you have something for someone to do and and the proper training and then you know sort of on a daily basis it, it, it's put into effect effectively, right? So it's not that someone's working towards something that's nebulous. It's a daily show. Do you find it that, that helps keep, keep volunteers and interns motivated to, to keep showing up and doing the work?
3: Yeah. Um, the show must go on, you know, like it's, yeah. Every day, just knowing that you're putting out something valuable and important every single day. Um, knowing that, yeah, that there will be a show tomorrow. There'll like, there'll be a show the next day. Um, yeah, you can't just kind of procrastinate on that.
0: And and as you mentioned, you started the local your daily news program, you know, before the start of COVID. Although it became obviously very important, became very important uh, in the wake of uh, the, the death of, of George Floyd. How do you how do you keep everybody together and motivated when you know for for most folks? everyday life changed radically and and became more challenging and difficult. Do you find, did the energy change, uh, you know, with these events that have, have really affected people so strongly?
3: Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely a lot has changed. You know, I think it's important to remember that radio was like built to connect people who are apart. Um, so yeah, recognizing that has helped us really lean into this moment of, um, yeah just like acknowledging that that's always been our purpose and now it maybe more important than ever to be connecting people. Um and we actually ended up producing more content the first 2 mm. months of covid than than ever before. It obviously it was in- incredibly stressful a few months and had a lot of hardships but it was also amazing in these other ways where we were able to produce this content. Um and yeah other ways that we that we've yeah things that we've needed to adapt in order to keep folks connected are definitely Helping people grow their skills for recording or doing a live stream from home. Absolutely. Um, like lo- loaning out equipment, helping people um, either pre record their show or, yeah, like set up a way for them to stream from the studio, having a very limited number of people who ever go into the studio physically.
0: So, similar to the kind of challenges that I think college and community stations all over are facing, um, but really focusing then on that, on that kind of training aspect, it sounds like, and making mm-hmm. sure f- folks have the tools and the skills at hand. Um, Tia Marie, you, you do a program. Uh, is it a weekly program, right, on on uh, RFM?
4: I do. I'm on every Tuesday from 4 to 6 p.m. And uh, my first show is called the tia maria show and it's uh, more of a talk show even though i do play some music it's more of a talk show and uh, all about spreading love and light and i I like to talk about uh, energy and astrology and things like that Um, and then my second show is so glow radio it starts at five and it's all about highlighting neo soul artists and raising the vibration so yep
0: and you're are you doing this from home now or are you in the studio at this point
4: yeah, I'm I'm working from home with it too. I got my I had to go.
2: Well, that's the voice of Tia Marie from WXOX, also known as Art FM, a radio station in Louisville, Kentucky. And Tia's internet uh disconnected them from our live panel at the Graphs Roots Radio Conference, recorded on Friday, October ninth. We'll be right back. We will reconnect with Tia but we're also here at Radio Survivor, joined by Miranda Selinger, who is a talk, content, and grant coordinator at X-Ray FM in Portland, Oregon. My name is Eric Klein. My co-host is Jennifer Waits and Paul Reismandel.
0: But I'll take this as an opportunity, you know, Miranda, I'd love to ask you a little bit about, I know that you have lots of community partnerships at, at X-Ray FM throughout the community in the larger uh, metropolitan area of, of Portland, Oregon. And in particular, I understand that that you've got a um, partnership with another low-power FM station here in Portland, a relatively new one called The Numbers. Um, Tell us a little bit about what that station is and what your partnership is like.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, The Numbers is an amazing radio station. Love listening to The Numbers. Um, It's self-described as Portland's Um, only radio station for Black Portland, by Black Portland. Um, And it's an important strategic partner to X-Ray. That's how I describe our relationship. It's definitely the X-Ray community really put in a lot of effort to get the numbers launched off the ground. And um, it's amazing to see how it's grown. Even just in the past year, it's been doing amazing things, amazing growth. Um, And then during this time, um, I mean, the relationship between X-Ray and the numbers has always been like incredibly valuable and, and treasured all around. Um, and during this time, it's been really helpful to be sharing content between the two stations. Um, just noticed that like, as, as X-Ray has sort of like been lifting up the numbers maybe in the past year or so, um, now that it's really generating a lot of content, we're finding folks who are working at the numbers, sharing content with X-Ray, um, like interviewed Like, yeah, I would say that the community partnerships that you're mentioning are Kind of what give us credibility that that's like what makes our content good it's not like we have a fleet of reporters who we can pay to go out and like yeah do reporting make content like yeah find interviews you know so it's really building trust in our community and building a name for ourselves so the community knows that what we stand for um that's helped us stay connected in that way and like build build credibility and and feature the voices that we want to feature and the numbers um, is one of those partnerships, and also has a, its own unique relationship with the community, being like by and for Black Portland specifically. And so, it's incredibly valuable that we that we are able to share content between the two stations.
0: And for folks who uh, don't live in Portland, what is the significance of the name, the numbers?
3: Yeah, the numbers. Um, so the numbers is ninety six point seven K N U M, and the numbers is also the name of. neighborhood in portland or yeah an area of portland that um is a place where a lot of black folks and people of color live that is largely a result of gentrification it's um yeah actually x-ray x-ray itself the the office that i'm in right now is is in a gentrified and gentrifying area of portland that used to still still a lot of black folks live here and a lot of people of color live here but it's it's heavily gentrified and the numbers um, is a, a newer... It's an area where a lot of folks have had to relocate.
2: Well, and it's the the gentrified neighborhood, the neighborhood where Black people still live to this day, but less because they had to move out because of gentrification. Uh, those are low numbers. Those are in the teens and uh, low 30s. And the new... Uh, neighborhood that we're referring to uh where the numbers radio station uh broadcast from is the high numbers the the triple digits yeah. which is yeah, not exactly. it's not uh, unique to portland i think that's actually a feature of a lot of cities that um that the the higher the number the the more diverse the neighborhood
1: Miranda how did how did this partnership with the numbers come about what was x-ray hoping from the from teaming up with the numbers
3: Um, Yeah, it's been a partnership for, oh gosh, some time now, since basically the beginning of the numbers. Um, Like, as I said, we kind of X-Ray sort of helped the numbers kind of become its own thing, take its own form. Um, And I think it's always just been very like central to X-Ray's mission to amplify voices of the underrepresented in Portland and just hold a mic to the the best and most distinctive of Portland. That's what we always say, that we hold a mic to the best and most distinctive of Portland. Um, And so, yeah, I think it's always been kind of, yeah, just integral to our our mission to be supporting the numbers in that way.
2: I just want to say as a a radio lover in the city of Portland, uh, when I accidentally tuned my little FM radio in and heard the content, uh, coming over my airwaves here in my city of uh, what basically sounded to me like classic hip hop college radio with the uh, freestyling on the air live with beats being spun by DJs live with the DJ interacting with the hip hop MC live on the air, all for the city of Portland. Um, I died. I died and went to heaven. Mm-hmm. I didn't think this was possible. And it wasn't here in Portland when I moved here in 2012. The fact that we get this kind of uh, great radio radio, in the future instead of the past is a kind of uh, reverse nostalgia that I hadn't anticipated here on Radio Survivor. It made me very happy.
1: Well,
0: it's a great example of mutual aid here, you know, and and a great example of, of why Low Power FM is so important, why the most recent expansion of Low Power FM in this last decade is so important. With the idea that you know we we can share the airwaves in a lot of different ways, and to see you know a more established community radio station helping a low power FM station uh, get off the ground, and then and then being in this place where you where where you're able to exchange programming, exchange ideas, right? So it's not just about having an hour. In the case of the numbers, it's about having having twenty four seven days a week. Right, and, and there can be a kind of um you know, the the sharing then can be on air and can be and can introduce an x ray listener to the numbers and vice versa. And you know, that's not what we see in in, in frankly in, in the rest of the dial right? Um, unfortunately, um, you know, it, it's, it's this type of collaboration and not competition. And I know that, you know, years ago when Low Power FM started, some folks at established community radio stations were nervous. They were really worried that a new Low Power FM will, will, will take away from what we have because it's been so difficult to build and so difficult to maintain and, and keep going. But I think what we've seen instead is that uh, more community radio means more community radio listeners. It means more community radio producers. It means more people who are invested in their community in this idea of access to the airwaves. And so it's really a flowering um, you know, more so than it is uh, kind of uh, taking away from each other, right? That's the commercial radio <laughs> version, right? Is Absolutely. that that one station, you know, takes away from another, where instead, we're talking about how the, we're all kind of growing together, whether it's in the same city. And with low power FM, not, you know, stations, you might hear one station on one end of town and a different station on the other end of town. Although maybe you hear them all on the internet, right? But it's it is really this common growth uh, that that we see uh coming t- together there um, tia i wa- I want to go back to you you know we were started to talk a bit about wh- the program that you 're doing um, at w x o x at art f m uh, where we're actually broadcasting live now as part of the grassroots radio conference, uh virtual conference. Um, and you were telling us a little bit about, you know, you do a talk show and you, and you focus some on sort of, it sounded like, you know, healthy living and spirituality. And then you have a lot of Neo soul. And, You know, I kind of, I I want to ask us like, you know, how have you adjusted doing this (laughs) over this, these last, uh, I guess it's been in six months or so when we've been, you know, in, since, uh, the murder of George Floyd, since the murder of Breonna Taylor, since, uh, COVID has happened, you know, how has what you do changed or is there, have you noticed any change in your, in the relationship with your listeners?
4: Well, uh, first of all, I wanna apologize about my internet. It was just disrespectful just then.
0: <laughs> Shame on uh, the internet.
4: I know, always just sliding in there being a hater. But uh <laughs> be good to us, internet. Um, you know, for me, it just um it really opened my mind. It gave me more ideas and it it released limitations that I felt I had before, you know. I've always been into radio and I worked for corporate radio for a little bit and, you know, promotions keep you out and about and, and broadcasting from different locations. So I had some technical experience. Uh, like I said, I needed help. You know, my my R F M teammates definitely uh, helped a lot with the setup at home. But, you know, I was ready for it. And I was, I'm always ready for change. And I was ready for the opportunities that were put in front of me for this new thing. And, um, and it actually made me feel better about bringing guests on my show and uh, having more control over the content and uh, learning new software and editing my show to make it sound better. Um, I have been live the whole time. I recently started uh, pre-recording some things like interviews and, and then uh, airing them on my show, but I remained live the whole time. So uh, they heard all the, all my listeners heard the slip ups with me every time I was, you know, my internet acted a fool. They heard that anytime, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, had issues with my sound or whatnot. They just went through it with me and, you know, it never made me feel bad about the transition. They embraced it and we kept moving through it.
0: And, and how do you communicate with your listeners? Are they calling you, or it's probably tough for them to call you at home, right? You're no longer in, no, in the studio. Is it primarily <laughs> over social media, Facebook, or Twitter, or or, or elsewhere?
4: Yeah, I'd love for my listeners to text me every now and then and say, hey, I put my number out there every now and then Mm -hmm. too for that. But um, yeah, it's mostly social media. Um, I always refer people to my Facebook and Instagram, which is Tia Marie Presents, and uh, invite them to conversate with me via social media. And I was going live until Facebook Live made it a cardinal sin to broadcast music Mm. and uh but yeah using social media was definitely the the help that i needed for the transition
2: yeah this this week the the broadcast uh platform of choice for music is twitch i don't know what will happen Uh next week (laughs) i watched a really great um a former pacifica radio dj who now just does the internet had to migrate from uh jay smooth had to migrate from from Facebook Live to Twitch, and I I enjoyed one of his broadcasts this week. Um, I want to I wonder now if it's uh, okay to talk on Radio Survivor about something that I've noticed uh, regarding community radio and protest coverage. It's actually uh, not new at all. It's something I noticed uh, over a decade ago, but it's really relevant these days with the Black Lives Matter protests happening, of course, in both in Kentucky and Portland, Oregon, as well as elsewhere in America. it seems like the people at the protest are getting a lot of their news and information from a different source than the than the people who listen to the radios. And I don't know if that's um, like a fully accurate picture or just um, an anecdotal idea that's in my head. But I I seem to um, I did ask a a reporter on Twitter that I follow in Portland like how many people at the protests are using Twitter to get their information as opposed to community radio, and it was pretty um, it's about three quarters. Of his followers, which is a bad, uh, not science to ask a reporter on Twitter um, if his audience is on Twitter or not. But <laughs> I do want to start this conversation about um, how you guys, uh, I'll, we'll start with Tia Marie there at Art FM in Louisville, Kentucky. I wonder if you can talk about how do you think your listeners are people at the protests or people who are maybe not at the protests because they might be older or uh, um, not not outdoors types during COVID-19. Uh, do you see your audience as people who need to learn about what's happening in the streets because they're not there or people who are in the streets who need to be have, have this informational support?
4: That's a great question. I I actually feel like my audience is more the people who are not there and who are looking for information to understand the movement. Uh, and I actually speak to them from that perspective, because um, I, I I kind of pride myself on being more of an educator. Um, I like to talk about history. I like to talk about where we've been and uh, where we're going. And, you know, um, so I think that I have a listener base because what your vibe attracts your trap. Right. So I feel like I've got a listener base that likes to learn. That likes to um, understand about the movement, uh, and maybe feels that they can offer help on a, a more strategic level than a physical level, and so uh, I try to am- uh, give them the ammunition to do so. So, do you yeah. do that, Tia? Do you do that
2: with your guests, or how how do you bring that story to to the airwaves?
4: Yeah, my guests are uh, purposefully chosen, and they're always uh, a resource for. The movement. Uh, I just had the other day a lady who's the CEO and president of Seven County Services, which is a mental and behavioral health organization here in the city and she spoke highly about the uh, telehealth services that are available, the trauma services that are available um, you know the services that are available for addiction and recovery because I try to be a resource to all people who tune in to my show. So yeah, my guests are specifically chosen and they always have something to add to the conversation, something to make you think, you know, when you, when you spoke about, um, you know, the fact that people on the ground may not be uh, seeking out community radio for as their source here in Louisville, that would make sense. And the, the primary reason would be because I, um, this base here has been conditioned to turn to mainstream media for their news source. Um, i worked for the urban radio station here and was actually told that it was scientifically proven that the listeners in Louisville didn't want to hear from local DJs that they would instantly change the channel if a local voice came on, right? That's the narrative that they've been moving in maneuvering in this city for a long time so you can imagine with that kind of program and what it did for the listeners so we're still kind of breaking into the psyche of the the listeners here in Louisville and 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 helping them understand that we're here and that we intend to deliver uh different content than the mainstream media We're we're still on that journey actually
1: Yeah, Uh, I I think that there are a lot of people who maybe don't understand community radio and and if their perception of radio comes entirely from commercial radio, you know, what you're saying, Tia Marie, makes total sense. That why would you turn to to radio if your perception of it is completely different than what is being offered, say, by the stations at the grassroots radio conference right now where we're broadcasting from?
0: Right. It's it's amazing what you said about your local urban station saying that, you know, they've scientifically proven that people don't want to hear the voices from their community. I do to research for a living <laughs> no. in podcasting, and I can design a study that that will tell me what I want to hear. It won't. Yeah. Be, right. and And it can look. Pretty legit to outside eyes, you know. You can create a self-reifying system. Uh, mm-hmm. You 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 can recruit the same pool of people to keep answering your questions, uh, but maybe you're not asking the right question. And, and I we think- had
1: a book in college <laughs> called How to Lie with Statistics. Right. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> um, Miranda Sellinger, you're at X Ray FM in Portland, Oregon. I wonder if I can bring that question over to you. Uh, how how do you think X? What do you think X Ray's audience is as far as these? Uh, ongoing, 170 straight days of street protests. Um, I, I imagine that X-ray's audience are not uh, those, you know, largely those people who are outside every night.
3: Am yeah, I-, I imagine. I imagine our audience is not largely the protesters themselves either. Um, but I, yeah, what Tia said about still trying to break into that, to that, um, that type of trust with listeners is something that rings true for me as well. I think that. Um, there's a lot of trust lost between listeners and major media sources when it comes to the protests and when it comes to other current events these days. Um, But I think especially when it comes to like the racial justice movement happening right now at large. Um, Most people I know do not read the news, do not read the newspaper to try to find out what happened in the protest. They go on Twitter and they know which journalists to follow um, like whoever's live tweeting or whoever's offering analysis. Um, and that's how you know what, what happened at the protest last night. Because when you read about it in the paper, it sounds completely different from the experience of the people who are actually there.
4: Right. To be quite There's- honest,
3: they like they use the word rioting in in ways right. that that I yeah don't agree with. Um, they use a lot of passive language when it comes to talking about what cops are doing. Um, and that's something that yeah I don't think that people in Portland necessarily look to X Ray or other community stations as. Um, as, you know, like the place to learn what happened, what's happening at the protest. But that's definitely something um, that we're trying to offer folks. Like if people are losing trust in power holding institutions, including major media or corporate media, then yeah, we want to offer an alternative to folks by, by holding the, the mic up to, to multiple voices, to activists, journalists, leaders, local politicians, like any, yeah, any leaders in our community and just kind of letting them, letting them go off.
2: And I, I just want to mention that I know I know a lot of these uh, reporters on Twitter who are following the process on a nightly basis, uh, some of them are independent journalists, some of them work for the one of the indie weeklies, uh, some of them work for the local NPR affiliate radio station, are doing a great job reporting from the ground uh, without that passive voice, without that officer-involved uh, nonsense. But it's a mixed bag.
0: Yeah, and, and I kind of want to follow with that, uh, with, with you on that, Miranda, because... And on the one hand, you know, as someone who follows these same journalists on Twitter here in Portland, you know, you get a visceral sense of what's going on in many cases. And, you, and, you know, which is important to really understand the, the, the wantonness of the police violence that is happening on the streets every single night that it's good not to lose touch with. What it's more difficult sometimes is to, is to get that higher level overview, right, to see this in sort of systemic turn terms, right? And the repeat of how many days or, or whatever. And I wonder how how do you answer that challenge in x-ray, right? So if you're, if you're not quite on the streets in the same way every night, which, which would, I can imagine how difficult that would be to sustain and also do a local half hour news show that tries to also cover all the very other important stories going on. But so how do you lend that kind of uh, a little bit more perspective to help people kind of not Become, I think, numb and inured to it, and still see that the importance of it. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think offering a bit of that analysis, a bit of that big picture, is something that um, we can do uh, a little more, uh, like on our end, on the X-ray end, or else talking to like our our major partners, in ter- like people at the Portland Portland Mercury, for example, or other independent journalists, to offer that kind of analysis, and then um, for in terms of like reporting on what's actually going on on like a, a day-to-day basis, it's um, just hearing it from from the horse's mouth, which is to say many, a multitude of different voices from our community with different opinions and different experiences that hopefully come together to reveal truth.
0: So you are talking to folks who were on the ground then uh, during the protests? Yeah. Absolutely.
3: Um, occasionally. Or mm-hmm. yeah, often it'll be uh, folks who are on the ground sending us their audio. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Curious,
1: sort of related to that we've talked about how how Twitter is being utilized by all of these journalists and people on the ground. So, I'd be curious to know if if both of your stations do anything with that Twitter conversation or if you join in on the Twitter conversation. Yeah. Do you try do to you, jump in there? Yeah, do you jump in? Do you share those posts um, you know, is your audience on Twitter as well as listening to you on the airwaves and
3: on the internet? Good question. Um, I would say that uh, X-ray doesn't necessarily use Twitter in that same way. Like, we'll we'll share news for sure, and yeah, um, big updates in that way. But um, it's an interesting question. We've been talking about how best to to leverage that tool, and I'd be curious to hear
4: um, what Tia has to say. Oh, I listen. I was listening for your response because I have to be (laughs) honest. I am not a Twitter person. I'm on Twitter. And, uh, and I know RFM is on Twitter and yes, uh, RFM does a good job with uh, retweeting uh, posts that they like and believe in. Um, but I personally, I, I actually don't use Twitter. I, I use Facebook okay. more so for that conversation to, um, I feel like more of my listen, listener base is attracted to Facebook. So I'm more focused over there in that platform, that arena.
2: Yeah. And he, he, we here at Radio Survivor had a number of conversations about um, the dangers of radio stations, community radio stations, depending on these for-profit corporate platforms to reach their audience. It's just that we live in a world where uh, a huge chunk of the audience is there already, and it's nice to say hello to them from our neck of the woods.
4: For free.
0: Yeah, for, for now, <laughs> for a price, for, now. for an exchange. Right. You know, I, I wonder, Tia, you, can, you, can you talk a little bit about, you know, your experience as a DJ, as a programmer, right now during during this period, not being able to be in the radio station, uh, you know, where is often is not just a place where you broadcast, but it's you know it's a place where people commune together, right, and get to know each other. What what is what is that like? What is the social life about, like at RFM? What is it like right now? Especially considering that you you managed to pull off this 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 amazing simulcast, which required a lot of coordination and stuff you know what's it what's it like though and how, how not to mention how this conference
2: like?
1: yeah, not <laughs> yeah not to mention
0: this totally. amazing conference the grassroots radio conference that we're at.
2: did we give tia marie credit for
0: helping run the grassroots radio conference on this oh. radio i, program? I apologize no, we it's an oversight yeah. on my part um yeah how how like what is it like being in community radio now from your perspective as someone who's who's very active you know and clearly knit into that community
4: Well, you know, uh, lots of happy hours and and encouraging people to turn their cameras on so we can see their faces and smile at each other. So
0: virtual happy hours, though, right?
4: Virtual happy hours. Yeah, Sharon does not play about keeping it safe. During COVID, you know, Plus in fact, sure. yeah, she doesn't play about that, and you know, it's we actually have taken it as an opportunity to update the studio to get it prepared for grander uh, experiences. So, you know, we kind of look at it like, even though it's sad that we're not all together, we're building why all this is going on but you know i'm i'm from the old school right i remember radio as it's supposed to be right it's all about being on the ground it's all about being in front of the people you know and and establishing those relationships so for me you know it 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 sucks a little bit to not be able to be physically connected but I'm just still very grateful that there are other tools available so that we can continue to still be in each other's presence, even if it is digitally. And um, and so I, I just, you know, take advantage of everything that I can to be stronger at this new way of doing things. But I definitely miss it. Mm-hmm. I'd love to be back in the streets with everybody, back in the studio with everybody and, you know, we're, we're big at the art FM, We were in the parades and, you know, having all kinds of events. So like, we're big on being on the ground and, you know, so this is, yeah, it's a little trying, but we're getting through it.
0: And Miranda Sellinger, uh, you're at X-Ray FM in uh, Portland, Oregon. How are, how are you getting through this time when we can't have to, when we have social distancing and, and so much of an online presence instead of in person?
3: Yeah, definitely using Slack a lot. Um, it's more more for extra staff, but all of our DJs are invited to join our Slack and participate. And we have t- different channels where we can kind of just chat and channels where we can work, which has been really helpful during this time. And I'll also say, because we just actually had our, our DJ family meeting last night. We have one every few months um, on Zoom where we all come together and kind of update each other on what's going on at the station, and and say hi, and maybe like hear a performance from from a musician in the crew. Um, we that's just awesome. had that last night, and it was so nice to just see everyone's face <laughs> in two D, but still, still very nice. So, see everyone's <laughs> face, hold up your cat, um, keep connected in that way. Yeah,
1: that's in sort any- of a, it's such a testament to community radio that you call it a family. Meaning, I mm-hmm. love that.
4: Yeah, I do too.
0: Do you feel in any way that in some ways? some folks maybe are closer now, you know, it it has had this because there's, you had to put this focus on, on being more uh, thoughtful about the connections.
3: Maybe. I think that there are definitely some some folks kind of just like saw the, the person whose show is right before them or right after them and that was it. And now it's a little different where you're kind of interacting with everyone um, or like the people who are commenting on, on the Facebook group or the Slack channel or whatever. Um, So new connections, new alliances. Yeah, for
0: sure. What about you, Tia? What do you think of that?
4: I have to piggyback right off of that. That's exactly how it was for us. It's like you only really saw the DJ that came before you and came in after you. And, And then, of course, we have monthly events. So we would get together and see each other. But yeah, no, this this being online, I, I think it has forced us to, you know, get to know each other on a more personal level and and get much more connected. I mean, we're looking in each other's houses now. We're seeing the cats. <laughs> we're seeing the babies. And we've had a baby boom at Art FM, my goodness. So like we're getting into, we're seeing into personal lives a lot more now. So it's definitely been something that's grown our relationships
2: right sounds like what we're hearing is that um the communities inside of the radio stations are feeling closer and having an easier time of connecting with one another um the challenge that i'm hearing is that we don't know what's happening outside of the the close-knit family as much because we can't leave our houses safely um so it's something Mm -hmm. to keep in mind out there in community radio land
0: well wonderful um i think at this point uh, we're hitting our uh, hour moment, which means we can open things up to some questions and answers. and And we're lucky uh, we have Derek here who can help us uh, facilitate. So, folks, have any questions uh, for? Uh, for our guests here about the topic we 've been talking about, which is really you know how community radio stations uh continue to support their communities and and their volunteers and their staff in a time of, of unrest uh when there is still active police violence uh i mean it hasn 't gone away but in some ways much more in 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 our in front of our eyes uh f- than than there had been before, you know, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Or if you have any comments, frankly, uh, you can go ahead and put them in the, uh, chat box here in zoom, or, uh, I don't know, Derek, if you're, if you're, uh, monitoring the discord.
5: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there are uh, two questions that have already come in, but just like you said, please go ahead and continue asking those questions in the chat and they'll be answered. So one is from Ruth. Hi, Ruth. She wrote, uh, is there anyone interested in, quote, deputizing activists and participating in the movement to pipe their views and experiences into the station? I know that's an open invitation to everybody, but maybe somebody on the, your, your uh, discussion team wants to comment on this.
0: Yeah, I'll 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 throw it to Miranda first. You know, I guess the idea is to sort of, you know, sort of find people who are not necessarily volunteers at the station who can but sort of work on your behalf in, in certain ways.
3: Yeah, I think that's that's a great idea. It's actually something that Extra has done a little bit just through folks reaching out to us and being like, "Hey, I'm going to protest" Um, you need, you want this content because you told me so, so like, here, here you go. Here's what we'll do. I'll, I'll like bring you, give me your like zoom mic attachment that I can plug into my iPhone and I'll interview people at the protest and send it to you. And yeah, that's like the only thing that they do for x-ray. They're not a regular volunteer or anything. I think that's a great way to, to bring the protest to the airwaves as someone else in the chat said.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Tia, do you see that sort of thing happening? Um, you do things a little bit differently at Art FM, but are you, you know, are you deputizing any of your listeners or do you see that happening uh, with any of your other programmers or DJs?
4: We're always open to hearing the voices of uh, of our listeners. So, you know, That's what my show is about, how like ordinary people are doing extraordinary things. So if you're out there and you feel like you have something to say, which I believe we all do, if you found that strength and you reach out, then we're going to definitely tap into you and and see what we can do together. Absolutely. Wonderful.
1: Just to to add to that, I know that um, one radio station, Wave Farm, they actually have the ability to have different streams um, and they have an app. So you can actually sort of sign up ahead of time to, uh, to broadcast from a protest or um, a lecture or yeah. a music event, you they, know, which is built, a great way.
2: They built that app uh, to, to facilitate, you know, community meetings, which are often not being covered by local journalists because of how many jobs have been lost across the landscape. So, yeah, you know, uh, neighborhood meetings and other kinds of uh, local Local elected bodies meetings. You just set your phone up, and now you're, now you're. The information is out there for the Wave farm listening audience. It's a very cool tool. Yeah,
1: which is great. And if it's, I I saw a question out of the corner of my eye about obscenities. Um, I mean that's one way. If it, if you have something that's only on your stream or on your app, that's one way of getting around that. Where if it's not over the terrestrial airwaves, you don't have to worry so much about a live broadcast being naughty or spicy.
5: There are two questions that came in with that exact practical question. Uh, One of them is from Justin. Oh, yeah, from WFMP right here in Louisville, Kentucky, um, who asks the same thing. If we're covering um, demonstrations, how do we get around that with FCC language uh, rules, especially with uh, protests and being like right in the mix of the demonstrations? Jim asked that same question, too. I think paul Paul has the best answer. <laughs> well,
0: I don't know if I have the best answer i mean i I'm curious you know it sounds like went for for both um uh, x-ray and FM it sounds like you know you're bringing recordings to the air, correct right mm-hmm. so it's yeah. not live so of course that allows you to to edit something out uh, ahead of time, correct does that sound um, like what you're doing?
3: Yeah, definitely oh, bleeping yeah. out bleeping out obscenities yeah. from protest coverage. Yeah. but the the reason
2: the reason I tried to tie you to that question, Paul, is I think it's important for community radio people to understand. Um, yeah. The, the when was the last time
0: the FCC shut down a low power FM station for its content?
4: <laughs> How about now? <laughs> yeah, it's never happened. All right but but i happened. think
0: the thing to really think about is actually there is sort of a general exception for what is considered actual news live news coverage right uh that the idea is is basically understanding if you're live on the ground where where news is happening you you have less of an ability to you know to, to to control what's going on um i don't think you know it's not it's not something that's really been tested in the courts from that standpoint but a lot of fines have also not been issued and i think you know I'm not a lawyer, uh, so I cannot give you legal advice, nor if I were, could I either. But uh, it's one of these things I think is that, you know, at the first sign that maybe you're going to be broadcasting something that maybe you you feel like, oh, okay, uh, you know, we're we're going to be using uh, the F word a whole bunch here. It's time to duck out. Right. (laughs) But, but if it, if there's like a fleeting one that comes through, because that's where the chant went uh, at this moment in time, uh, you know, I think it's reasonable to say you you just handle it uh, professionally and, and you sort of, And you duck out and you come back in when you can. Uh, But, right, you know, it seems like uh, community radio is is less in a place. And it'd be interesting if anyone here actually assembled is in a place where they're doing a lot of on the ground live broadcasts. Um which, you know, in some ways may be difficult to turn into great radio, if that makes sense, without the visuals, because there's not a lot of context. Maybe Um, the speeches, right. Maybe the speeches. Yeah, speeches and stuff, right? But but where without the visual it might be difficult to make sense of what one is listening to. I know looking at Twitter live streams, sometimes I don't always know what it is I'm looking at either. So um, you know, there's I think there's a lot of factors there. Um, do we have any more questions, Derek?
5: Yeah, one more that came into me privately. I'm not sure why, but then I won't out that person. So, an anonymous mm-hmm. asker just asked specifically to Tia, uh, they said, What are the needs of community radio, like support, things like that, that are um, needed in order to grow listenership and support the community?
4: Well, to be honest, a promotional budget, if you got one, <laughs> we'll take that. <laughs> no, but you know what? It's all about. In my mind, I, I think back to, you know, guerrilla marketing, right? What's that? Getting out there, getting in the streets, hanging up flyers, ha- passing out uh, poster, hanging up uh, posters and with your community partners, local restaurants, small businesses, um, things like that. Really getting the partnerships. I would I would encourage people to secure community partnerships and use their space for promotion of your services and, and you know, ask a hairdresser um, or a nail shop if they'll play your radio station over their uh, speaker system, um, find a TV partner right? Find a TV partner that would, would um, promote your station. And I think that's that's what we need. We need more partners in this fight, we need more partners in this game so that we can uh, collab to amplify our station and its mission. And I think all community radio stations across the country should have that same level of support within their communities.
0: Anything to add to that, Miranda?
4: I would echo all of that mm-hmm. for sure.
0: I mean, just because we have the internet and social media doesn't mean that a lot of the tried and true methods of getting the word out have stopped working. Uh, right. I noticed around my neighborhood here in Portland, in Southeast Portland, um, these flyers went up for an internet radio station I hadn't heard of that's trying to focus on local audiences. Right. But I noticed it and like a day later, I didn't say anything about it. My wife comes home and says, Hey, do you know anything about this station? I said, no. Did you see the flyers? She's like, yes. And I said, <laughs> you know, it's kind of where there are fewer flyers up right now because there, unfortunately there's, there's fewer, you know, usually they would be for like concerts and live shows and things like that. Right. But yeah. even old school stuff like flyers and things can get someone's attention and bring something in right in front of their face that maybe they, they hadn't seen before. And I, and I, and I think community partnerships, as you both sort of emphasize, have continued to be the really needs to be like the lifeblood of community radio. And that, you know, instead of, uh, you know, carpet bombing you with, uh, with advertisements everywhere, right. With, with billboards and everything else, which cost a lot of money, but don't have a lot of soul. It is really about bringing people in one by one right we 're not every additional listener right is a growth of that community, and so instead of thinking about it in terms of the thousands and millions that we 've been trained to with commercial media is to return to those roots of like every new person who you make a connection to is a new listener, a new part of the community, possibly a new programmer a new a new contributor, right somebody who is going to to start thinking more about how. Uh, they can be more part of the community and their community radio station because they 're one and the same, I think
4: yeah, you know what in fact i 'm going to drop a little a little tip on y'all for free. Uh, get with your uh doordash folks and your people that need stickers on something and see mm. if they would mind dropping your sticker on their delivery, just saying
0: there you go that 's a hot tip right <laughs> there on some hot pizza, maybe
4: yeah, you never know.
0: Derek, do we have any other additional comments or questions that have come in?
5: There are lots of really good comments that are in the chat, and I know everybody can see that. Um, so maybe this is a good moment to just say thanks to all of our sponsors that have helped build this community and this conversation. I just want to thank them all Pacifica Network, of course, SCMS, Broadcast Equipment and Solutions. Thank you. Thank you. Spinatron, Broadcast Tool and Die, and of course, Max Pixel Art and Design. Wonderful. Thanks for keeping it, this community going. Thank you.
2: Can I read a comment from that? I just read from Lisa Rudman here in the chat, just in case to get it on the record. Uh, Lisa writes, uh, just an interesting example here in Oakland, California, the anti-police terror project, APTP, which uh, footnote, I have a footnote on that, uh, uses a low power FM radio broadcasting uh, more as a tactical tool in the streets by broadcasting from one truck during car caravan around the murder of George Floyd protests. Uh, they broadcasted music Lisa says, and inspiring thoughts as the protests went on, they gave instructions as far as keep crossing Broadway, uh, uh, you know, and we are headed down to the lake, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, my footnote is that the anti-police terror project was founded by an activist who, um, has been hired by KPFA to be a host of their flagship morning show talk radio program, the two hours, two hours, five days a week. Um, cat brooks needs to be name checked more often and uh it's an incredible example i think of something i've wanted to talk about on Razor survivor before so i'm slipping it in here at the end that cat brooks is a black lives matter activist from back before it was called black lives matter and is now a paid host of the talk show that airs every morning on kpfa and is heard throughout the bay area uh doing incredible work uh uh, covering the news there. Now it sounds like also someone in Cat Brooks's uh, organization set up a low-power FM radio station uh, to broadcast to cars during the street protests. So that's another reason we should reach out to Cat someday soon.
0: Well, that's a w- wonderful place to wrap up here. Uh, we really appreciate everyone attending and listening in, whether on the airwaves or via Zoom or via podcast, to this episode of Radio Survivor Live from the Grassroots Radio Conference, the virtual grassroots radio conference. Uh thank you again to Miranda Sellinger, who is a talk content and grant coordinator at X-Ray FM, a community radio station here in Portland, Oregon, where Eric and I are located. And also thank you to Tia Marie from WXOX Art FM. Really appreciate you both taking this time uh, to speak with us on Radio Survivor. And for folks who don't know, you can find us online, Radiosurvivor.com. And if we didn't catch your comment here, do drop us a line, podcast at radiosurvivor.com. Yeah,
2: wait, did we, did we, did we like Uh, pump? I don't know if we have time. Uh, we're a podcast and radio show and we've done 266 episodes about community radio, college radio, and the history of radio in the United States and the world. Last week's episode was my favorite episode. This week's episode is my favorite episode. I'm
0: proud of the work. Last and week so we, we talked about 25 years of community college radio in Ireland uh, you know, we, 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 we've had both, uh, many of the speakers here at GRC on our show. Um, so we encourage you to check out the archives. You ha- if you haven't also, um, the show is available free to any non-commercial stations. So oh, and anyone for some programming that might help educate right. your listeners about community radio. We're here for you
2: as well as anyone in the audience who hears this out of my voice, uh, we love getting tips for story ideas for the episodes for the show. And you can please reach out to us, uh, podcast at radiosurvivor.com, or you're probably our Facebook friend or something. So you can just uh, let us know that way. All right. Well, everyone, yeah, thanks for having
1: to us. D.
0: Thank you. Yeah.
1: Thanks for having us for a live session. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you at 5 p.m. for the keynote. Have a great day.
2: So that wraps it up for the podcast. We probably did a little bit of our business uh outro-ing our show, but you can always subscribe to our program at Radiosurvivor.com, play it in the browser or anywhere where you get your podcast, those apps that you put on your phones or the ones that you have on your computer. Radio Survivor is a listener and reader supported enterprise. To find out more about how you can help us uh, strengthen the work and do more, you can go to Radiosurvivor.com slash support we give our radio program for free out to community radio stations all around the world and mostly in the United States. And uh, like Paul said, you can find out more at radiosurvivor.com if you're interested. On behalf of Paul rees Jennifer Waits, Matthew Lassar, my name is Eric Klein. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.